Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Mysterious Michigander Podcast, the podcast that brings the spookiest of the paranormal and the most chilling of true crime directly to you. Welcome to the Mysterious Michigander Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Ryan Ross. As always, if there is anything you would like us to discuss from the paranormal to true crime to urban legends, drop us a line at mysteriousmichigander at gmail.com. Today, we delve into the timeline of one of the most notorious serial killers of all time, the Zodiac. Just last May, the FBI stated that the Vallejo police have sent DNA from the back of a postage stamp from one of the verified Zodiac letters to be tested. Could this be the answer to over 50 years of anonymity for one of the most notorious killers of all time? Who is to say? While new developments could come soon, it's important to understand who the Zodiac is and how he came to be. The confirmed beginning of the Zodiac's reign of terror began on December 20th, 1968, just outside the city limits of Benicia, California, on Lake Herman Road. David Faraday, 17, and Betty Lou Jensen, 16, were on their first date and had planned to attend a Christmas concert at Hogan High School, about three blocks from Jensen's home. The couple instead visited a friend before stopping at a local restaurant and then driving out on Lake Herman Road. At about 10.15 p.m., Faraday parked his mother's Rambler in a gravel turnout, which was a well-known lover's lane. Shortly after 11 p.m., their bodies were found by Stella Borges, who lived nearby. The Solano County Sheriff's Department investigated the crime, but no leads developed. Utilizing available forensic data, Robert Graysmith postulated that another car pulled into the turnout just prior to 11 p.m. and parked beside the couple. The killer apparently exited the second car and walked toward the Rambler, possibly ordering the couple out of the Rambler. Jensen appeared to have exited the car first, yet when Faraday was halfway out, the killer shot Faraday in the head. Fleeing from the killer, Jensen was gunned down 28 feet from the car with five shots through her back. The killer then drove off. The second of the confirmed Zodiac killings would come less than seven months later. Just before midnight on July 4th, 1969, Darlene Farron and Michael McGough drove into the Blue Rock Springs Park in Vallejo, four miles from the Lake Herman Road murder site, and parked. While the couple sat in Farron's car, a second car drove into the lot and parked alongside them, but almost immediately drove away. Returning about 10 minutes later, this second car parked behind them. The driver of the second car then exited the vehicle, approaching the passenger side door of Farron's car, carrying a flashlight and a 9mm Luger. The killer directed the flashlight into McGough and Farron's eyes before shooting at them, firing five times. Both victims were hit, and several bullets had passed through McGough and into Farron. The killer walked away from the car, but upon hearing McGough's moaning, returned and shot each victim twice more before driving off. On July 5th, 1969, at 12.40 a.m., a man phoned the Vallejo Police Department to report and claim responsibility for the attack. The killer also took credit for the murders of Jensen and Faraday six and a half months earlier. The police traced the call to a phone booth at a gas station at Springs Road and Tolum, about three-tenths of a mile from Farron's home, and only a few blocks from the Vallejo Police Department. Farron was pronounced dead at the hospital. McGough survived the attack despite being shot in the face, neck, and chest. McGough described his attacker as 26 to 30 years old, 195 to 200 pounds, or possibly even more. 
a 5'8 white male with short, light brown curly hair. This would be the first description of the Zodiac. On August 1st, 1969, three letters prepared by the killer were received at the Vallejo Times-Herald, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner. The nearly identical letters, subsequently described by a psychiatrist to have been written by, quote, someone you would expect to be brooding and isolated, end quote, took credit for the shootings at Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs. Each letter also included one-third of a 408-symbol cryptogram, which the killer claimed would contain his identity. The killer demanded they'd be printed on each paper's front page, or he would, quote, cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again, until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. End quote. The Chronicle published its third of the cryptogram on page four of the next day's edition. An article printed alongside the code quoted Vallejo Police Chief Jack E. Stiltz as saying, quote, We're not satisfied that the letter was written by the murderer, end quote, and requested the writer send a second letter with more facts to prove his identity. The threatened murders did not happen, and all three parts were eventually published. On August 7, 1969, another letter was received at the San Francisco Examiner with the salutation, quote, Dear Editor, This is the Zodiac speaking, end quote. This was the first time the killer had used the name for identification. The letter was a response to Chief Stilt's request for more details that would prove that he had killed Faraday, Jensen, and Farron. In it, the Zodiac included details about the murders which had not yet been released to the public, as well as a message to the police that when they cracked his code, quote, they will have me, end quote. On August 8, 1969, Donald and Betty Hardin of Salinas, California cracked the 408-symbol cryptogram. It contained a misspelled message in which the killer said he was collecting slaves for the afterlife. No name appears in the decoded text, and the killer said that he would not give away his identity, because it would slow down or stop his slave collection. Here is the complete cipher sent to the San Francisco Examiner. Quote, I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest, because man is the most dangerous animal of all. To kill something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise, and those I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife." End quote. Um, and that was the solution to the Zodiac's 408-symbol cipher, the meaning, if any, of the final 18 letters that um, I have omitted from that there has not been determined. It's complete and utter gibberish there. On September 27, 1969, Pacific Union College students Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were picnicking at Lake Berryessa on a small island connected by a sand pit to Twin Oak Ridge. A white man, about 5'11", weighing more than 170 pounds with combed greasy brown hair, approached them wearing a black executioner's type hood with clip-on sunglasses over the eye holes and a bib-like device on his chest that had a white 3x3 cross circle symbol on it. He approached them with a gun, which Hartnell believed to be a 45. The hooded man claimed to be an escaped convict from a jail with a two-word name in either Colorado or Montana. A police officer later inferred he had been referring to a jail in Deer Lodge, Montana, where he had killed a guard and subsequently stolen a car, 
explaining that he now needed their car and money to go to Mexico, as the vehicle he had been driving was, quote, too hot, end quote. He had brought pre-cut links of plastic clothesline and told Shepard to tie up Hartnell before he tied her up. The killer checked and tightened Hartnell's bonds after discovering Shepard had bound Hartnell's hands loosely. Hartnell initially believed this event to be a weird robbery, but the man drew a knife and stabbed them both repeatedly, Hartnell suffering six and Shepard ten wounds in the process. The killer then hiked 500 yards back up to Knoxville Road, drew the cross-circle symbol on Hartnell's car door with a black felt-tip pen, and wrote beneath it, Vallejo slash 122068. 7469 slash September 2769 6:30 by knife. At 7:40 p.m., the killer called the Napa County Sheriff's Office from a pay telephone to report his latest crime. The caller first stated to the operator that he wished to quote report a murder, no, a double murder end quote. Before stating that he had been the perpetrator of the crime, the phone was found still off the hook minutes later at the Napa car wash on Main Street in Napa by KVON radio reporter Pat Stanley, only a few blocks from the sheriff's office, yet 27 miles from the crime scene. Detectives were able to lift a still wet palm print from the telephone but were never able to match it to any suspect. After hearing their screams for help, a man and his son who were fishing on a nearby cove discovered the victims and summoned help by contacting park rangers. Napa County Sheriff's deputies Dave Collins and Ray Land were the first law enforcement officers to arrive at the crime scene. Cecilia Shepard was conscious when Collins arrived, providing him with a detailed description of the attacker. Hartnell and Shepard were taken to Queen of the Valley Hospital in Napa by ambulance. Shepard lapsed into a coma during transplant to the hospital and never regained consciousness. She died two days later. But Hartnell survived to recount the tale to the press. Napa County Sheriff's Detective Ken Narlow, who was assigned to the case from the outset, worked on solving the crime until his retirement from the department in 1987. Now, this instance of the Zodiac is my favorite personally because it goes to show how attention to detail and the lack of it thereof can essentially make a case go out the window. Two weeks later, on October 11th, 1969, a passenger entered the cab driven by Paul Stein at the intersection of Mason and Geary Streets, one block west from Union Square, in San Francisco, requesting to be taken to Washington and Maple Streets in Presidio Heights. For reasons unknown, Stein drove one block past Maple to Cherry Street. The passenger then shot Stein once in the head with a 9mm, took Stein's wallet and car keys, and tore away a section of Stein's blood-stained shirt tail. This passenger was observed by three teenagers across the street at 9.55 p.m., who called the police while the crime was in progress. They observed a man wiping the cab down before walking away towards the Presidio, one block to the north, two blocks from the crime scene. Officer Don Falk, responding to the call, observed a white man walking along the sidewalk and stepping onto a stairway leading up to the front yard of one of the homes on the north side of the street. The encounter lasted only 5 to 10 seconds. Falk estimated the man to be 35 to 45 years old, while the teenagers who observed the killer in Stein's cab mentioned he was a 25 to 30-year-old white male adult at about 5'8 or 5'9. The radio dispatcher had alerted to be on the lookout for a black suspect, so they drove past him without stopping. The mix-up in descriptions still remains unexplained to this day. 
A search ensued, but no suspects were found. The three teen witnesses all worked with a police artist to prepare a composite sketch of Stein's killer. A few days later, this police artist returned, working with the witnesses to prepare a second composite sketch of the killer. Detectives Bill Armstrong and Dave Toshi were assigned to the case. The San Francisco Police Department investigated an estimated 2,500 suspects over the period of the investigation. On October 14, 1969, the Chronicle received another letter from the Zodiac, this time containing a swatch of Paul Stein's shirt tail as proof he was the killer. It also contained a threat about killing schoolchildren on a school bus. To do this, Zodiac wrote, quote, Just suit out the front tire, then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. End quote. At 2 o'clock p.m. on October 20, 1969, someone claiming to be the Zodiac called the Oakland Police Department, demanding that one of two prominent lawyers, F. Lee Bailey or Melvin Belly, appear on the local television show AM San Francisco, hosted by Jim Dunbar. Bailey was not available, but Belly did appear on the show. Dunbar appealed to the viewers to keep the lines open, and eventually, someone claiming to be the Zodiac called several times and said his name was Sam. Belly agreed to meet with him in Daly City, but the suspect never showed up. On November 8, 1969, the Zodiac mailed a card with another cryptogram consisting of 340 characters. The 340-character cipher has never been decoded. Numerous possible solutions have been suggested, but none can be claimed as definitive. On November 9, 1969, the Zodiac mailed a seven-page letter stating that two policemen stopped and actually spoke with him three minutes after he shot Stein. Excerpts from the letter were published in the Chronicle on November 12th, including the Zodiac's claim. That same day, Officer Don Falk wrote a memo explaining what had happened the night of Stein's murder. See, this is the part I was talking about where the, the, the attention to detail is completely off with this. Um, and just for the record, Don Falk did deny that they spoke to the gentleman that is claiming to be the Zodiac. This is the one that they saw walking down the street that matched the later descriptions of the killer um, as he was walking up to what looked like his home. On December 20th, 1969, exactly one year after the murders of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, the Zodiac mailed a letter to Belly that included another swatch of Stein's shirt. The Zodiac said he wanted Belly to help him. On the night of March 22, 1970, Kathleen Johns was driving from San Bernardino to Petaluma to visit her mother. She was seven months pregnant and had her 10-month-old daughter beside her. While heading west on Highway 132 near Modesto, a car behind her began honking its horn and flashing its headlights. She pulled off the road and stopped. The man in the car parked behind her, approached her car, stated that he observed that her right rear wheel was wobbling and offered to tighten the lug nuts. After finishing his work, the man drove off. Yet when Johns pulled forward to re-enter the highway, the wheel almost completely came off the car. The man returned, offering to drive her to the nearest gas station for help. She and her daughter climbed into his car. During the ride, the car passed several service stations, but the man did not stop. For about 90 minutes, he drove back and forth around the backwoods near Tracy. When Johns asked why he was not stopping, he would change the subject. When the driver finally stopped at an intersection, Johns jumped out with her daughter and hid in a field. The driver searched for her using his flashlight, telling her that he would not hurt her before eventually giving up. Unable to find her, he got back in the car and drove off. 
Johns hitched a ride to a police station in Patterson. When Johns gave her statement to the sergeant on duty, she realized the police composite sketch of Paul Stein's killer and recognized him as the man who had abducted her and her child. Fearing he might come back and kill them all, the sergeant had Johns wait, in the dark, at the nearby Mills restaurant. When her car was found, it had been gutted and torched. Most accounts say he threatened to kill her and her daughter while driving them around, but at least one police report disputes that. John's account to Paul Avery of the Chronicle indicates her abductor left his car and searched for her in the dark with a flashlight. However, in one report she made to the police, she stated he did not leave the vehicle. Zodiac continued to communicate with authorities for the remainder of 1970 via letters and greeting cards to the press. In a letter postmarked April 20th, 1970, the Zodiac wrote, quote, My name is blank, end quote, followed by a 13-character cipher. The Zodiac went on to state that he was not responsible for the recent bombing of a police station in San Francisco, referring to the February 18, 1970 death of Sergeant Brian McDonald two days after the bombing at Park Station in Golden Gate Park, but added, quote, There is more glory to killing a cop than a Sid, because a cop can shoot back, end quote. The letter included a diagram of the bomb the Zodiac claimed he would use to blow up a school bus. At the bottom of the diagram, he wrote, Zodiac Killer equals 10, SFPD equals 0. The Zodiac sent a greeting card postmarked April 28, 1970 to the Chronicle. Written on the card was, quote, I hope you enjoy yourselves when I have my blast, end quote. Followed by the Zodiac's cross-circle signature on the back of the card. The Zodiac threatened to use the bus bomb soon unless the newspaper published the full details he wrote. He also wanted to start seeing people wearing, quote, some nice Zodiac buttons, end quote. In a letter postmarked June 26, 1970, the Zodiac stated he was upset that he did not see people wearing Zodiac buttons. He wrote, quote, I shot a man sitting in a parked car with a 38, end quote. The Zodiac was possibly referring to the murder of Sergeant Richard Ratatick. A week earlier, on June 19th, at 5.25 a.m., Ratatick was writing a parking ticket in a squad car when an assailant shot him in the head with a 38 caliber pistol. Ratatick died 15 hours later. SFPD denies the Zodiac was involved with this murder. It remains unsolved. Included with the letter was a Phillips 66 roadmap of the San Francisco Bay Area. On the image of Mount Diablo, the Zodiac had drawn a cross circle similar to the ones he had included in previous correspondence. At the top of the cross circle, he placed a zero, and then a three, six, and a nine. The accompanying instructions stated that the zero was to be set to magnitude north. The letter also included a 32-letter cipher that the killer claimed would, in conjunction with the code, lead to the location of a bomb he had buried and set to go off in the fall. The cipher was never decoded, and the alleged bomb was never located. The killer signed the note with, Zodiac Killer equals 12, SFPD equals zero. In a letter to the Chronicle postmarked July 24, 1970, the Zodiac took credit for Kathleen John's abduction, four months after the incident. In a July 26, 1970 letter, the Zodiac paraphrased a song from the Mikado, adding his own lyrics about making a little list of the ways he planned to torture his slaves in paradise. The letter was signed with a large, exaggerated cross-circle symbol and a new score. Zodiac Killer equals 13, SFPD equals zero. A final note at the bottom of the letter stated, quote, P.S. The Mount Diablo code concerns radians plus the number of inches along the radians. End quote. 
1981, a close examination of the radiant hint by Zodiac researcher Gareth Penn led to the discovery that a radiant angle, when placed over the map per Zodiac's instructions, pointed to the locations of two Zodiac attacks. On October 7, 1970, the Chronicle received a 3x5-inch card signed by the Zodiac with the Zodiac Killer symbol, and a small cross reportedly drawn with blood. The card's message was formed by pasting words and letters from an edition of the Chronicle, and 13 holes were punched across the card. Inspectors Armstrong and Toshi agreed it was highly probable the card came from the Zodiac. On October 27, 1970, Chronicle reporter Paul Avery, who had been covering the Zodiac case, received a Halloween card signed with a letter Z and the Zodiac's cross-circle symbol. Handwritten on the card was the note, quote, Peekaboo, you are doomed, end quote. The threat was taken seriously and received a front-page story on the Chronicle. Soon after receiving this letter, Avery received an anonymous letter alerting him to the similarities between the Zodiac's activities and the unsolved murder of Sherry Jo Bates, which had occurred four years earlier in the City College in Riverside, in the greater Los Angeles area, more than 400 miles south of San Francisco. He reported his findings in the Chronicle on November 16, 1970. On March 22, 1971, a postcard to the Chronicle addressed to Paul Averly, and believed to be from the Zodiac, appeared to claim responsibility for the disappearance of Donna Lass on September 6, 1970. Made from a collage of advertisements and magazine lettering, it featured a scene from an advertisement for Forest Pines condominiums and the text, quote, Sierra Club, end quote, quote, sought victim 12, and peek through the pines, and pass through Lake Tahoe areas, and around in the snow, end quote. The Zodiac's cross-circle symbol was in both the place of the usual return address and in the lower right section of the front face of the postcard. Lass was a nurse at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. She worked until about 2 o'clock a.m. on September 6, 1970, treating her last patient at 1.40 a.m. Later that same day, both Lass's employer and her landlord received phone calls from an unknown male falsely claiming Lass had left town due to a family emergency. Lass was never found. What appeared to be a grave site was discovered near the Claire Tappan Lodge in Norton, California on Sierra Club property, but an excavation yielded only a pair of sunglasses. No evidence has been uncovered to connect the last disappearance with the Zodiac Killer definitively. After the Pines card, the Zodiac remained silent for nearly three years. The Chronicle then received a letter from the Zodiac postmarked January 29, 1974. The letter included a snippet of a verse from the Mikado and an unusual symbol at the bottom that has remained unexplained by researchers. The Zodiac concluded the letter with a new score. Quote, Me equals 37, SFPD equals 0. End quote. In April 2004, the SFPD marked the case inactive, citing caseload pressure and resource demands effectively closing the case. However, they reopened their case sometime before March 2007. The case is open in Napa County and in the city of Riverside. In May 2018, the Vallejo Police Department announced their intention to attempt to collect the Zodiac Killer's DNA from the back of the stamps he used during his correspondence. The analysis, by a private laboratory, is expected to utilize an advanced new technique that is able to separate DNA from the glue present on the back of the stamps. It is hoped the Zodiac Killer may be caught in a similar fashion to the Golden State Killer. And that's all we have for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for sticking around, and stay spooky, everybody. Have a great week.